It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason, and I am joined live from Canada by the man who sacked Tom Brady not once, no, 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 not just once, but twice in a single game, still the last Jet to do that, and he's live from Canada right now because he is getting ready for the Grey Cup, which is the CFL's championship, so we can add that to his resume, that of course is former Jets pass rusher Jamal Westerman. Jamal, I don't know what the standard greeting is in Canada, but since I'm still in the States, what's going on, sir? You can say hello. You know, just throw an A after that. Hello, <laughs> A. You know, get a poutine. Make, make sure you have a toque, which is the hat that goes on your head. You know, get you a toque, stay warm. You know, coming to you live from uh, Calgary, Alberta, kind of in the plains of, of the country. It's a little cold up here, you know, about 30-something degrees. But, I mean, we're pumped for the Grey Cup coming up uh, this Sunday. Versus uh, my team, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and you know the other my ex team, my former team, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So it's going to be a exciting game, man. I'm excited to be here, be around, you know, my teammates, kind of get to practice and just get the feel of the city. Should mention that you are not the only ex Jet on this team. You were going through this with me before we started recording. Quite a few ex Jets up there: Julian Hauser, Lorenzo Malden, Jalen Marshall. There's a whole bunch of you, so if you're a Jets fan, you should really be watching this game and pulling for the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Sunday. Yeah, and the game will be on while the Jets aren't playing, so the game comes on right after the Jets game Sunday on ESPN, so check us out. A lot of former Jets up here. Actually, since we're going to talk about that Red, uh, the Washington game, former Washington kick returner Brandon Banks is our, I mean, one of our best players on our team, and he actually is the East Division's most outstanding player, so we'll find out if he wins that award this Thursday between the East and the West, but Brandon Banks, former Washington kick returner, he's up here and he's going bonkers. He's going bananas up here. He's going in. And Delvin Bro's up there too, right? The Jets could use a corner. You want to talk to him about coming back here? Listen, man, the way that Bro's playing up here, Bro, bro can definitely go play anywhere. I mean, he's shutting that guy <laughs> down. He's playing at a high level. I mean, good dude. Started up in Hamilton, started up in Hamilton went down to the NFL with the Saints for a couple of years. He's back in Hamilton and I mean, he's one of the strong defensive leaders that we have that's, you know, playing at an extremely high level. Good dude, too. Never met him until I got to the team. And, I mean, tremendous dude, good character. So, I mean, he's up here balling, too. But we got a lot of ballers around here, man. We just got to handle business throughout the week. A lot of ballers on the Jets, but nobody was a bigger baller on Sunday than Jamal Adams. This guy is on a roll. Two games in a row where he has been the best player on the field by a wide margin. 
What are you seeing when you watch him? What is making him suddenly transition into Troy Palomalu? Because we always knew he was an excellent player, Ooh, but these last two weeks, Palomalu. he really has looked like Troy Palomalu, which is something I never thought I would say. As great as Adams has been, Troy Palomalu is the gold standard at the strong safety position, and Adams has looked every bit as good as Palomalu for these last two weeks. What are you seeing? What did you see when you watched him against the Redskins? I mean, my Goodness, he was amazing. I mean, he was everywhere. He was down on the line of scrimmage, getting sacks in the back. I think Greg Williams put him in a great position. Ever since the trade deadline came around, it seems as if uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams has said, you know what, have a bunch of great players on defense, a couple guys playing out of position, a couple new guys, let's use them all. This is kind of Jamal Adams is his main piece, is his, you know, kind of that big joker you know, kind of the ace card, the trump card. They play him all around, play him on the line of scrimmage. He can blitz. He can blitz from the secondary, and he likes to mix it up. And that's the one thing I think as a defense, when you see a safety or a DB that likes to get in there and mix it up, play at the line of scrimmage, it always brings a little bit more passion, a little bit more attitude to the defensive side of the ball. So he's been all over the place. I mean, he's been playing uh, at probably the highest level that he's probably ever played in his entire career. If you go back to LSU, you go back to his high school days, and I think the best thing about it that the Jets fans have, should be salivating about it. He's only 24 years old. He's only 24 years old. You're calling him right now probably one of the top, what, five, ten safeties in the NFL. This is a guy that can sign multiple contracts with the Jets. If they, you know, moving forward, they tend to keep him because, I mean, he's a player that not just a regular safety. You know, I've heard people talk about, do you want to resign a safety? Can you build around a safety? But Greg Williams and his staff, the way they've been using him, he's not just playing deep safety sitting in the middle of the field. He's blitzing off the edge. He's rushing the passer. He's coming up and making big, big plays in the run game. And he's a guy that not only leads with his voice, but he also leads with his play every single game. So, been playing at a high level. Definitely, definitely, definitely one of the Jamals I like. You know, I don't like all the Jamals, <laughs> but he's making all the other Jamals look good. So, shout out to Jamal Adams. I mean, he's taking this game to another level. And, you know, he's really leading this team in a time that he could be pouting. You know, he could be mad about getting traded. But instead of focusing on, you know, the decision or shopping around, him being shopped around or, you know, losing or anything like that, he seemed to flip his mind and say, you know what, everybody follow me. Everybody get on my back. You know, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to go ham. I'm going in this game. And, you know, if you follow me, I'm going to focus and we all can bring our levels a little bit higher. As, as you've seen, since he started playing at that level, the other guys on defense, Nate Shepard's been playing at a high level. Burgess has been playing at a high level. Jenkins has been stepping up his place. Everybody's trying to get a piece of it because they understand that, listen, guys, it's our attitude that's going to get us. It's our attitude that's going to make us play better. So let's go out there from the start of the game, from the first drive, and let it ride. Current Jamal power rankings. Number one, Jamal Westerman, obviously. Number two, Jamal I, Adams. I, listen, I, <laughs> I have to put myself first. He can be second. You know, then there's like a you know, there's a Jamal McGlore. He's Canadian. So I, I I'll put him up here. I like all the Jamals though. We all had the same rhymes as the kids. My name is Jamal, I like to play football. My name is Jamal. I like to play basketball. We all had the same rhymes as kids, so I love all the Jamals. <laughs> Former New York Nick Jamal Crawford's gotta be in there somewhere. And then of course, <laughs> Malcolm Jamal Warner. Come on, we got to go with the classic there. The old Cosby days, Theo. Everybody loves Theo. Everybody wanted to be Theo. He was cool. He had the girl. He was respectful. Everybody loved He had the good hair, but not, you know, he. now I think he's a little, you know, Theo is in the same field. But, man, all the Jamals, we love him. 
And in real life, he dated Regina King, and that alone puts him up on the top tier. So good for you, Malcolm Joel Warner. Still it, it, doing King things all these years later. <laughs> King work. <laughs> That's right. So let's talk about the rest of the defense before we get to Sam Darnold and the offense. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Jordan Jenkins because you brought him up before. He has had a penchant for doing a lot of the dirty work, some of the stuff that people didn't notice. But the last two years, he's been getting more sacks. He's having more impact plays, more quarterback hits, more rushes. What do you see when you watch him? I don't know that I necessarily believe that he's going to be able to be that number one edge rusher. But I think that, as I said last week, he could be that number two guy, that edge setter, that Calvin Pace type of player that every team needs. Early in his career, he's in his fourth year now, but Jenkins, he was no more just set the edge type of guy, you know, middle round draft pick set the edge. But as you can see, a little bit of last year and into this year, he's expanded his game. He's more forceful in his pass, where he's using his hands and his body and his leverage at a much higher level. And he seems like he's hungrier because he may have turned it up a level too, thinking that, you know what, I can do more. You know, and, and as a player, you're always trying to find different ways that you can impact, you know, the team, impact the defense. So he's saying, you know what, I can do more. I can give more effort. You know, I can fly around more, maybe make an extra play. So he's the guy that, I mean, he's in the free agent year also, which is all, you know, you're, you're playing for a little bit more. You know, you're, you're playing for the wins, you're playing for your teammates, but you know, you know what, I want to be part of this when it gets rebuilt. You know, I, he wants to be, you know, part of kind of the plan of, you know, like Jamal Adams, he wants to be there. He wants to be a bedrock. I think Jenkins, he's becoming one of those talents that he's always getting better. Every game you see him, he flashes a little bit. He hits the quarterback. He'll make a play in the passing game, knocking down the ball. He'll run down the running back. And they're doing a great job up front. The front seven and eight guys, you know, playing in the box of really coming after that run and everybody's playing sound football. And as you can play a sound football game, you know, you have more chances of winning the game than you're jumping around just trying to make plays and, you know, more, more teams lose games than win games. And I think he's playing winning football, winning solid football, and continue to take the steps needed to make himself an elite player. Since you're in Canada, let's talk about Canadian Thanos, Nathan Shepard. Another big game for him. Last week, we thought maybe it was the byproduct of the fact that he owns Hernandez because Hernandez, the guard on the Giants, is somebody that Shepard made a name for himself beating up Senior Bowl week, and he did it again against the Giants. But against the Washington Redskins, he came through with some more big plays. Out of nowhere, kind of like Randy Orton with that RKO, Nathan Shepard is having a late-season surge. What are you seeing from him? What do you see in this Redskins game? Because he's looked very impressive. Shout-out Ajax, Ontario. That's where he was born and raised. He grew up there with the Simon Fraser out in uh, out west in uh, British Columbia. But he's the guy that, you know, came in off, coming off a of suspension, didn't really know where he was at, didn't really know where his mind was at. But all he has done is come in and work, 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 worked his way into the rotation, and he's constantly making plays in the backfield. And as a defensive lineman, one of the most important things to do is can you get in the backfield and can you make disruptive plays? So he, he's, been, he's gone from being only disruptive but now that's disrupted the last, you know, three, four weeks has turned into production for him. You know, he's playing extremely hard. And he's just, as you watch him, you know, every time he makes a play, or if, even if he doesn't make the play, but he sets up a play for somebody else, he's celebrating, he's excited, he's passionate. And they're playing, you know, as a group. You can feel the energy through the television screen as I watch it. You can feel the energy that that defense is playing with. And it seems like everybody's taking the sip of the same cup and everybody's feeling themselves they're feeling excited because they're now they're in competitive games where you know what every play counts 
every play is a play that I can make to help impact this team. So he's been doing a good job, especially going from the B gap to the A gap, stunting the backfield, you know, making plays in the back. And I mean, three tackles, you know, two assists. He got another sack this game. So two sacks in the season, back to back game. He's playing well, man. So I'm, I'm excited to see him next week. Well, this week coming up on Sunday against the Raiders because he's a guy, you know, I want to see him against a better competition as teams get better, and the Raiders is a great test for them this week coming up. The coverage was so much better against the Redskins. Now, to be fair, McLaren had that big play that was called back, and it was the Redskins with a rookie quarterback making his second start, and they're arguably the worst team in the league, but... Your boy, Blessing Austin, Bless your you. fellow Rutgers alum, had another good game. Bless you. <laughs> That's right. Maybe he's the bless you that Quentin Williams was talking about when he said, bless you, thank you. I hadn't really thought about that, but that could be. And maybe the thank you and the bless you, thank you part of it was Arthur Millette because he did really well as well. What did you think when you were watching the secondary? Because it seemed like night and day from what we've watched for most of this season. They, they look calm, but, you know, going against a rookie quarterback, we have to look at all the things. So going against Dwayne Haskins, a rookie quarterback, in his second start, his first start at home, I think they played a calm game. They played a focused game, and they, they just didn't want him to get going. And Bless, you know, Mollette, you know, they were all over the place knocking on balls. And that, that confidence, and you see getting them celebrating because they know they belong here. It doesn't matter how you get to the NFL if you're a second-round pick, if you're undrafted, if you're coming off the injury. Once you step foot between those white lines, you're the starter and you're expected to go out there, compete at an extremely high level, be prepared, and do your job at a high level. And both of those guys, they're, they're hearing They're hearing, all oh, the Jets' corners are horrible. You know, Greg Williams, he's going to have to scheme to help them. And they went out there and they played hard against a team who was in a similar situation as them. You know, there's a team that's trying to find themselves, trying to find their identity, you know, with a young quarterback, and they went out there and they played well, they played hard. And the one thing I like to see is they played with that excitement. You know, it wasn't they're out there squeezing and tight. It seemed, they seemed to play with excitement and energy. And as a defensive, as a defensive group, that energy leads everybody. So great game, Blanche, Millette, and I just wanted to keep going and keep getting better because, you know, those two guys, and the one thing I like when guys – are not the starters immediately. You know, they, they didn't get the, you're going to come in and start. You know, they didn't put the crown on. You know, they, nobody crowned them before they crowned themselves. They're here working, man. Even though they had a good game, this they're not going to be satisfied. They're going to go, listen, I'm hungry. Bless coming off of two ACL surgeries, start the year on, you know, on the injury, injury reserve list. They're hungry guys, and they're getting an opportunity to play, and they're coming out and letting it hang and trying to play to that level that Jamal Adams is playing to. You know, the Jets offense is playing at a high level, and they're all trying to play up to that level. And, you know, they're doing a good job with it. What did you see overall with the defensive scheme that Greg Williams has thrown out there? Did you think that it was the correct game plan? Obviously, it ended up working pretty well, but as you were watching and everything was unfolding, did you like what Greg Williams was doing? Oh, Greg Williams did a great job this week of switching it up from what he did last week. Last week against, you know, against the Giants, there were more multiple rushers, five-man rush, six-man rush, you know, Jamal Adams rushing with a, a group of other guys where he was one-on-one -on -one with the running back. This week, Greg Williams with a rookie quarterback and Dwayne Haskins, he's not going to be able to see the field as much. He hasn't seen different coverages. He, he had two games of starts other than, you know, he saw one defense as a starter. You know, he knows the Redskins defense. Greg Williams did a great job because he would line up five, six guys. You know, he'd line up four guys inside of the tackles on Jamal Adams' first day. So he had four D linemen, two D linemen, and two linebackers inside of the offensive tackles. 
he drops all of them out. They all buy their block, drop out. Then you blitz Jamal Adams and, and May off the other side. You have two ends coming off that side. So you have four guys outside of the tackles. Jamal Adams was able to um, get the sack. Greg Williams making it look like pressure, making it look like five, six-man, seven-man pressure, and then he's only rushing four. So there's only a four-man rush. You could drop seven, which Dwayne Haskins hasn't seen that. He's looking, okay, that guy dropped. That's a D tackle that's dropping the coverage. And the offensive line on some of the sacks and some of the big plays, you have three guys not blocking anybody, just standing in there, you know, standing, eating up space. And you have guys running free at the quarterback. So Greg Williams, the way he timed it, and I think going from – Heavy pressure last week against Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, who you expected to run the ball. With this week going against a young, you know, still a rookie quarterback, but he hasn't played a lot. Let's, you know, not experienced and seeing those droppers come out with only a four man rush where they were probably expecting pressure, keeping offensive linemen in. Did a great job. We're able to get a lot of sacks on the quarterback, a lot of hits on the quarterback. And the only thing I would like to see is just a couple more interceptions because I believe they you know, dropped a couple, you know, they could have had a couple more interceptions in there, but did a great job. Got a turnover, which is always good on uh, when guys fumble the ball. And they just got to keep going. But I think Greg Williams, the D coordinator, A-plus for me this week, man. They came out. They were playing with energy. They were able to get after the quarterback, and that's always a fun way to play you know, defense. Going forward in this game against the Raiders, do you expect John Gruden to try and scheme to stop Jamal Adams specifically? Because as you just talked about, he was Greg Williams' major weapon. He was deploying him in a variety of dangerous ways. And I would imagine that teams going forward are going to want to zero in on him because they know that he's Greg Williams' ace in the hole. What kind of things do you think that the Raiders could do to try and stop Adams? And if they do pay him extra attention, who do you think on the Jets' defense will benefit as a result? See, the thing about Adams and him being a safety and so dynamic is how do you stop him, right? He, we've seen him this year make plays blitzing off the left side of the line, blitzing off the right side of the line, hitting the A-gaps, hitting the B-gaps. We've seen him make plays in a run game. Last week, he motioned over like he was man-to-man coverage on a receiver and then blitz off, off the other side. So because in trying to stop him, he's the guy that can move around and say you slide the protection to Adams and he drops in coverage. Now you have your entire protection going that way with defensive ends and outside linebackers coming unblocked on the other side. So if they try to figure what Jamal Adams is, scheme against them some, maybe sometime in the in the run game, maybe hit him with a flea flicker where he comes downfield to make a tackle on a running back and they flip it back and throw it deep, you're going to see deep tackles and some outside linebacker, linebackers come free because – when offensive linemen and tight ends are trying to communicate and pick up a guy who can move from the left side to the right side of the line, sometimes you have that mixed communication where you have two guys blocking the same person. So, listen, they're going to see him to stop Jamal Adams in the run game, but when he comes around the line of scrimmage, these D tackles, Quentin Williams, Nathan Shepard, Big Steve, you know, they got to make they got to make them pay in the middle. They should not be blocked one on one by anybody. A lot of people have been talking about Quentin Williams, and we talked about this last week. The way that Greg Williams is using him is different than I think a lot of people were expecting, especially with somebody who is the number three overall pick. What did you see with Quentin Williams against the Redskins? Because he didn't put up a lot of stats. When you watched the game, did you notice anything particular that he was doing that wouldn't show up on the stat sheet? Earlier on in the game, he had a big hit on the quarterback. I'm like, okay, there he goes. But he kind of fell into the lull of he's playing football. He's playing hard. I mean, they got the win. They're stopping the run. And it's, it's extremely difficult 
as a you know D tackle because he wants to get quarterback sacks. He wants his name to be mentioned with the other young defensive linemen that are making plays that were rookies and they're make, getting sacks and getting hits on the quarterback. But Greg Williams' job is to win games. Greg Williams' job is to help Quentin Williams lead the the league and you know make him rookie um, you know rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. You know get him eight sacks or ten sacks. His job is to go out there, put everybody in the best positions to win games. And I think Quinn Williams is stuck in something right now where he may not be able to play to his strengths as much, but they're winning games. And, and if we look back in there earlier in the season, they've been in a lot of games where they've been trailing late. Teams have been trying to run on them, and they've been stopping the run. So if you were to flip it, and most of the games they're up, you know, 10, 20, you know, three scores, you know, 30 points that like they're up in this game, then you get more opportunities to rush the passer. You get more opportunities to have one-on-one because you have more receivers out in routes, you know, for the quarterback to try to get points. And then you have more opportunities for your sacks to come. So, you know, hopefully as you move forward and playing more competitive games and keep playing harder, he continues to get better. But last game, didn't play horribly, but you would like to see a little bit more pop out of him, especially out of his stance and being a little bit more disruptive. It's not about For me, it's not about the production as much for a young guy. It's about being disruptive, knocking guys back. Play with that. You know, how, how we saw you at Alabama and you were rolled tied and you're knocking guys around. He has that in him. It's just he's going to find his spot. And when it hits, we're all going to be sitting back, watching him in the backfield, you know, making lunch. <laughs> Anything else that you notice either positively or negatively from anybody on the defense against the Redskins? I mean, Anderson played well, had a sack quarterback hit. It just, it, for me, it was about the energy on the defense. It's about the energy. Defense sometimes is not always, okay, who makes the play? Who's going to get a sack? But it's about the energy, the passion that you play with, the physicality, because they're going to have to take what they did against Adrian Peterson, and you know, listen, that Callahan on the other side, you know they're going to run the ball. That's what they want to do. They have Adrian Peterson where, you know, let's take a second to really be amazed that Adrian Peterson is still out there running the ball. We know he only had 25 yards. But he's a guy like, man, that's Adrian Peterson. He's still doing it at a high level, still looks twitchy, still has that jump cut, still has his burst. So let's give a lot of respect to him. And the, the Jets defense, they stopped the run up front and really forced a rookie quarterback to have to throw the ball. And he had nothing for them. So the, the entire front seven did a great job of playing together and playing with passion, knocking guys in the backfield, not letting the Redskins have any hope. And that's the thing, you know, when you're playing the team with a rookie quarterback, that's a little bit on shaky ground. You don't want to give him the opportunity to have a game of his life. You don't want to give him the opportunity to have hope that I can come back. Just keep beating him down, keep stopping the run, keep keep fighting, and end the game quickly. And I think that's what they did. So, listen, a lot of credit goes to that Jets defense, especially that run game defense, because we're talking, you know, we spoke about their record. You know, they're 3-7 and seven now. But when they're 1-7 and seven and teams have the ability to run the ball with them at the end of the games when teams are up and – they're still number one, you know, rush defense. So that means even the times when they were losing and they weren't, you know, winning those games, they were still playing hard defense and stopping the run. So they're doing a good job with it. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. 
Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's shift to the offense now, and we will start, of course, with Sam Darnold. He has looked really good the last two weeks. I thought he looked fantastic against the Redskins. That one bad mistake, and if you go back and watch it, you'll see. I don't know what he was thinking. He was throwing into coverage, and his feet were tangled, and his arm was off, and the whole thing was just a mess, and he's got to stop doing stuff like that. But for the most part in this game, Jamal, he was every bit the guy that the Jets thought they were getting when they traded up and drafted him at number three overall. What do you see from him? What do you think is really making this offense cook? What do you think is really clicking with him right now and making this change with him going from somebody who struggled for a couple of weeks to now doing what he's doing and playing as well as he did against the Redskins? Being being the leader of that offense and just watching his body language, the way he was playing, the way he was taking command and control of the protection, you know, calling out the protection, speaking to the running back, speaking to the tight end. He looked calm out there. And that's the one that, you know, as a quarterback, a young guy, I mean, we've seen him this year, probably at his worst that he's ever played. But he looked calm. He looked confident. He was in command of the offense. I give Adam Gates a lot of credit. The first 15 to 20 plays are, are normally scripted, you know, especially for young quarterbacks. And they were, I mean, those plays were hitting. You know, they they allowed Sam Darnold to get out the pocket of a, a little bit with, you know, controlled sprint outs, moved the pocket, had a lot of crossing routes. He was doing a good job of hitting his tight ends. And even when the play broke down, when he went to run, he ran with the purpose. You know, he moved out the pocket with the purpose, looked for a guy open, didn't hold it too long, but and sometimes just threw it away, you know, lived to play another game. So I like I like the way his calm demeanor, but I think it was Gase, just great play design. They had a lot of plays where Sam Darnold was making easy throws to wide open players. That doesn't happen a lot in the NFL because they knew Washington a little bit uneasy in their secondary, had some miscommunication problems, and you had plays where they call them rub plays, but the defenders, we call them picks. But the rub plays, you know, the rub plays were getting open, tight ends open, Crowder's open. Guys, you know, Sam seeing the ball going to players' hands wide open, and they're making guys miss. So he was a calm guy, took control of everything, played a very good game, and this is something he definitely can build off of because we don't want to talk about the opponent. You know, it's not about the opponent, but it's about – how did you feel in the game? Were you seeing the routes? Were you seeing the coverage? Are you seeing the ball? And if you're seeing it how you want to see it as a quarterback, you can translate that from this game to next week. Do you think that's the biggest difference, that he's seeing the field much more clearly now? He's, he's been in the system more. You know, those weeks he was, you know, was out with mono, he wasn't in the building. 
he's seeing that everybody's communicating because when you have injuries, you not only miss that guy's play, but you miss that guy's knowledge in the offense. So as they're building around this offensive line, you know, in any offseason, they're building these guys to know the offensive play during the season. When you're bringing in backups, you're picking guys up off of a practice squad, you're bringing guys that are free agents, you're trying to, you're trying to teach them the, the system, but it's a modified, shortened system. So it seems like the more they get to be together, the more that you can keep as many of the pieces together as possible they're more calm. They're more confident together, even at the old offensive line. As they're moving, they're staying on their doubles together. They're coming off up to the second level a little bit better. So I think he's more calm. But I think as they grow in the system and everybody's speaking the same language. And, you know, we spoke about that a lot when I was in college at Rutgers that speak Rutgers. You know, if I'm calling this an inside stun or a jam, you can't call it a scoop. And it seems like there's everybody on the Jets, especially the offense right now, they're buying into Adam Gates' offensive system. They're understanding it more. They're taking it from the one-on-one where, okay, I have to block the guy in the A-gap to, all right, I'm doubling up to the guy in the A-gap, but the free hitter will be, you know, the safety coming down. So let me try to get up to land, landing Collins before he gets over top of me. So they're taking it to the next level. They're playing well as an offensive unit together. And Darnold, he's at the head of that. And, you know, giving them right confidence. So you like what Gates was doing? You thought he called a really good game against the Redskins? Especially early in the game, this what is this? Their third or fourth game with the score in the first, you know, their, their first possession. So you're getting points up on the board early. What is that allowed to do? The defense now, you're not playing from behind. You can play a little bit more aggressive. Greg Williams has a little bit more, you know, he can open up some more plays in his playbook, you know, when he's up in the game. And I think the, when you see players playing better and an offensive unit, it's not just Sam Darnold's going out there and making it happen. It seems the offensive unit, Crowder's getting going, Ryan Griffey's getting going. The offensive unit together, they're playing better. So I think you have to give credit to their offensive staff, man, because if they went out there and lost the game, we'll be killing everybody. So when they go and get the win and what everybody wants and plays that type of professional competitive game, you tip your hat. Let's talk about some of Sam's weapons in the offense. I want to start with the wide receivers. It seemed like Robbie Anderson wasn't targeted much. I know that he had a penalty that he drew and he caught that one six-yard touchdown pass, but it almost seems like he's been a bit of an afterthought the last couple of weeks. Do you feel like he's somebody that maybe doesn't fit what Gase likes to do? Maybe he's somebody that they'll move on from in the offseason because I'm starting to get the feeling that he's not a Gase type of receiver. Listen, man, when you have speed, when you have speed to burn, you're, any, you're anybody's type of receiver. I mean, Robbie Anderson has been a road runner. He can run past everybody. He's just not getting the ball. You know, some of the big plays aren't hitting. You know, if he hits on one of those big plays when he's double covers, even last week they had a flea flicker that went to somebody else. They had one that he didn't catch in the end zone. So I, I don't think it's more about him not being a Gase type of receiver. It's just he's a guy that has – big playability, down the field threat, you know, take the top off. And sometimes, you know, you're throwing up 50-50 balls where you're just, all right, we're throwing it up to Robbie, you know, two or three times a game because he does have that speed and he does have that ability. So I don't think you want to look at one game that he only had, you know, one catch, six yards for a touchdown and look at that as he's not, you know, the type of receiver that Adam Gase wants. I think you look at his ability and say, you know what, the type of receiver he is is we may have to just throw balls up to him every now and then just to keep them honest. When you're up by 30-something points, you tend to pull off the gas, run the ball a little bit more, take, you know, safer passes. And, you know, right now we'll be sitting here thinking, man, Darnold threw another two interceptions trying to get it up to Robbie Anderson when they were up by, you know, 20 points in the third quarter. So, you know, I think you take this game. It was a good game for him. But they've been trying to hit him every game. They've been trying to go deep, and it just hasn't hit. But 
He'll hit, he'll hit two next game, and then we'll be looking like Robbie Anderson. Man, sign him up. He's definitely going to Jamison Crowder a lot. That's a guy that definitely is a Gase-wide receiver. What do you see when you watch Crowder? Because I think he's developed into one of the best slot receivers in the league. He's just getting open. Getting open, catching the ball, being a professional. And the one thing I like, this is the Jamison Crowder revenge game. Gase had a little gadget play drawn in, and uh, Blau Powell, my guy, just kept it a little bit short where Jamison Crowder might have had a, you know, might have had, you know, kind of a, another touchdown off of, of a gadget play. So you can tell that, you know, Gates, especially in this game, earlier on, got a lot of guys involved. You know, got a lot of guys involved not only running the ball, but, you know, in the passing game. I mean, you've had, what, seven seven or eight guys catch passes this game. And Jameson Crowder, he's been reliable. He's been there when Sam Darnold needed him. And every week, you know, every week he's where he's supposed to be. And playing, playing at a high level, making guys miss. And he's becoming – I mean, the go-to. He's the go-to guy right now. One guy who is expected to be one of the go-to guys is Le'Veon Bell, but he's been struggling behind this offensive line. In this game, Bilal Powell seemed to have more success running behind that line. Do you think it's a matter of styles that Bilal Powell's style just fits this offensive line better? Because Le'Veon Bell's sort of like Curtis Martin where he's patient, he waits for the hole to develop, but this offensive line doesn't seem to be able to hold those holes open for very long. Powell has more of a reckless style. He just goes. Do you think that's really what's going on here? Yeah, I think Bilal Powell had a you know a more impressive game as, than Le'Veon Bell. Not saying who's better, who's worse, anything like that. Just his running style in this game allowed him to hit the hole faster. Kind of more you know downhill, reckless, just attacking. I mean, six six yards of average on seven carries. He did a great job. Le'Veon Bell, he's a pick and pick and choose runner. You know, kind of pick his poison. You know, pick through the line of scrimmage. And guys were, you know, they weren't holding it as long. They were able to get off block a little bit, get to him. He wasn't able to be as effective. But you know, you see Le'Veon Bell back there as a defense. You're thinking, all right, get a couple more guys in the box to stop the run. Maybe you see him below plow. It'll be a little different of he's a guy that can get out in the passing game and do a couple of different things. So can Le'Veon Bell, but you know Le'Veon's your bell cow. So Bilal definitely had a better game, was you know, was more impressive in this game. But I think just having multiple guys in the backfield, getting multiple guys involved. Ty Montgomery got two carries, Josh Adams. The more people you can get involved, especially on the team that's finding themselves, everybody's involved all week. You know, during the game, you're waiting for your packet. I remember a time as I was with the Jets. And we were playing. Uh, we were playing the Atlanta Falcons, and I had one package early in my career. The only time I would play if we had like four receivers in the game. But I knew that if we had four receivers in the game, I was on the speed package. I had a blitz. You know, it was called like the Rutgers Blitz or the Scarlet Knight. And I knew my package. And all week I was prepared. I would watch all the you know five man receiver cutups to make sure nothing that happens out there when I'm out there. You know, I haven't seen it for the first time. I've already you know I've already seen it. So I think just getting more guys involved in the backfield. It allows guys to play faster, allows guys to play, you know, somebody's nick, somebody's tired, you can get another fresh body in. And, they're, you know, they're doing a good job together as a running back group, I think, in this game on uh, last Sunday. Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about the offensive line. 
They seem to play better. Compton looked better in there than the injured Brian Winters has. And again, we could say that part of that is probably because Winters has been banged up the entire season with a really bad injury. Kelvin Beecham seemed to play fairly well again. Chumadoga struggled early on. He gave up those two sacks to Ryan Kerrigan. And I also want to ask you about Ryan Kerrigan here, because as somebody who is a pass rusher like yourself, Jamal, Ryan Kerrigan to me is somebody that doesn't get talked about enough for how great he is. I think he's going to go to Canton one day. And I think a large part of the reason why people don't talk about him is because he's been on the Redskins all this time. But he's been an elite player for a really significant period of time. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw from the offensive line. Adoga seems to be struggling. What did you see with him? And then tell me a little bit about what you see when you watch Ryan Kerrigan, because he really had his way with young Chuma Adoga early on. They, they, you know, the Jets offensive line, they should be happy they got Beecham back. Went down a little bit with the rolled ankle, but he's playing with a lot of toughness, playing through injuries. I mean, really, they've been injured the whole time. The right tackle, Dogu, gave up two early sacks to Ryan Kerrigan, who, I mean, Hall of Famer, like you said. I mean, top guy. If he wasn't playing in Washington, we would all know about him. He's a guy that plays with a lot of leverage, a bigger guy. And the Dogu, he was playing a little bit high, you know, got pushed around, got thrown off balance. You know, his leverage worked against them. Had to sit down a little bit more. Came out the game, you know, with an injury. Hopefully he'll be back. But the guys that stepped in played pretty well, both at right tackle and at right guard. I mean, Winters went out last week, and he's been beat up the whole season. He's a guy that, you know, is trying to play hard, playing through a lot of injuries, you know, wasn't playing at his highest level because of the injuries. And guys stepped in this game, played a lot better, were able to communicate better, and just a little bit more forceful on the offensive line. And that's what you want to see, just a little bit more forceful, a little bit more grit up front. But, you know, they have to continue to come together because now there's another guy out. So another guy has to step in, whereas not the other team doesn't know you're coming in the game. Now the other team's game planning for a younger guy at tackle or a new guard, you know, somebody they, maybe they only have one game of tape on you now. Now they know your, your weaknesses and your strengths. I want to go back to Le'Veon Bell for a second. We talked about the running game, but I want to know what you thought about that one play where they lined him up in the slot and got themselves a first down. That was a nifty play. Don't you think that Gase should do more stuff like that with Bell because he's having trouble running behind this offensive line, but there's no reason why they can't use him lined up more like that because he is a dangerous weapon in the passing game. You know, I, everybody likes to see uh, Le'Veon Bell with the ball in his hands. He can do it from the backfield. He can line him up in the slot. He can make plays happen. There are multiple ways that you can use him to be successful. But I think Adam Gay seems to like him, you know, in the backfield where you can come out of the backfield. You can, you can already create a mixed mismatch on the linebacker going left and right, give him the ball in the open space and let him run a little bit. So, yes, I think we'll see more of Le'Veon Bell lined up in the slot. But when you take him out of the backfield, what is that, an empty backfield? You know, D-linemen are, you know, rushing and having an offensive line where you're kind of filling spots, you know, you have – Guys injured, guys down, guys playing, you know, tough through injuries. It's hard to line up, and, you, and the D-line knows, okay, here's the pass. The pass is coming. Everybody's got their butts in the air. they got their hand in the dirt, and they're ready to get off the ball. So having them in the backfield is a help because it does slow down the crash rush against Sam Darnold. It does slow down the pressure. But to be able to move them out, around and be kind of not tricky, but just let him do more things because he is a dynamic player. I think that was great. And, you know, I, we'll, they're, they're going to use him more like that, but – I like him in the back, though. Just hand him the rock. Jamal, I wanted to ask you also about Ryan Griffin because he's been a big surprise the last couple weeks, particularly against the Redskins. He had two touchdowns and over 100 yards receiving. Christopher Herndon was expected to be one of the Jets' big weapons this season. 
but it didn't pan out because first he got suspended for the DUI, then he tried to come back and got hurt, and then he did come back and got hurt even worse, and now he's out for the rest of the season. So when you watch Ryan Griffin, what are you seeing from him? Because I'm seeing a guy that can't block much, but who has become a pretty competent weapon for Sam Darnold in the passing game and a potential mismatch the rest of the season. Because I'm not saying that he has the ability that Christopher Herndon has and nobody's going to be confusing him with Tony Gonzalez or anything like that. But he is a capable target and he does provide the Jets somebody beyond the wide receivers and even beyond Le'Veon Bell. What did you see from him in this Redskins game that you think made him so successful? Play with a lot of awareness, Ryan Griffin is. I mean, like you said, five receptions, 109 yards, you know, one touchdown. Against the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago, he had six catches, four against the Jaguars. So he's the guy that, you know, Sam Darnold has found a lot of confidence in, especially after missing uh, Chris Herndon. And you would only imagine, man, if they had both tight ends, Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin, and they could find a way to use both of those guys, that would have been such a dynamic offense, or such a dynamic way to use the tight end room. You know, this year for Adam Gates, but, you know, like you said, Chris Herndon, he's out for the rest of the season. Ryan Gorsuch has been doing a good job of, you know, seeing the field. You know, there was a play where it was a scramble drill, and instead of just sitting there, his eyes locked on Sam Darnold, he got up the field, and he went up and Sam threw him deep for a touchdown. So he's seeing it well. He's playing at a high level. And maybe because Herndon's not there, he's getting an opportunity to shine a little bit more than people would have thought at the beginning of the year. Was a pretty good uh, tight end in Houston years in the past and able to bring kind of the tight end room back since Herndon's been down, you know, where tight end can be a position of strength on the team. You can find another miss, a guy that you can find mismatches with, use them, move them around. And the more that they can use him kind of with, with the uh, rub route going out into the flat, give him the ball and let him use his big athletic body to run guys over, make smaller DBs miss, the better. Because on the offensive, on the offensive line, in the run blocking and in the pass blocking, he's not as proficient at it as he is running the field, you know, getting open, catching the ball. And that's the way the tight end, tight end room is gone now. No, no more tight ends want to block. They just want to catch the ball. So they're big receivers, and he's one that's doing a tremendous job at it. You know, had a great game, kind of a – I won't say a breakout game because he had those two tugs against the Jaguars, but becoming a more consistent part of the offense. Anything you think we missed positively or negatively on the offensive side of the ball? Positively and negatively, I think we, we covered it all. The offensive line – I mean, just another injury, more injuries. You know, that's always tough. The running back room, they're getting more guys involved, which is important because especially going down a season like this where you're in the hunt, but it's, you know, some tough games in the past and, you know, people are down to you to be able to be involved in a game plan where, you know, I have a package or I'm going to get a handful of touches. I have a way to, you know, kind of make some plays. This game is important to do a good job. And, and receiver-wise, you know, I, I think, you know, Darnold being that confident where it's not, I'm just going to throw it to this one guy, or I have to find this guy. You know, I, I'm going to move it around. I'm going to hit as many. I'm going to hit Griffin, Crowder, Demarius Thomas. Daniel Brown had a catch for a touchdown. You know, Robbie Anderson had. You had you're hitting multiple guys, moving the ball, being proficient, and that's the most important part of an offense. That they're proficient, they're moving the ball. It seems like everybody's on the same page. We didn't see too many free runners. We didn't see the arguments happen on the old line of who's supposed to block him. We saw a proficient professional offense. And, you know, it was, it was a, um, a good, you know, as an offensive, as a, an offensive staff, an offensive side of the ball, you want games like that because that's something you can build off of. 
Before we move on to get your thoughts on the upcoming matchup Sunday with the Jets and the Raiders, I did want to ask you about what happened with Quincy Inunua because as somebody who's been in locker rooms and specifically in the Jets locker room, I wanted to know what you thought about this. The whole situation for anybody that hasn't heard about it, and by now you probably have, was that Quincy Inunua was fined a total of $40,000 because he missed two days of therapy because, remember, he's not on the active roster. He's out for the season with a neck injury. He literally broke his neck playing for this team more than once, so it's kind of crazy to think about. But he did miss those without notifying the Jets about it. He had a home emergency, and then he took his wife out for lunch on Veterans Day because she's a veteran. And then they posted up the fine publicly. So I want to know what you thought about the entire situation, how it played out. Quincy Inunua going to social media, Adam Gase's response where he basically dogged players who do go to social media for stuff like this. The fact that they posted up the fine publicly, because I'm not sure if that's commonplace. The players that have spoken out about this, specifically Kelvin Beecham, have said that they're unaware of this going on anywhere else, although Gase supposedly did this in Miami. And then also, from Quincy Inunua's standpoint, the fact that he didn't notify them beforehand. Do you think it was fair to find him? Do you think that they went overboard with the amount of money they find him? Do you think that he was over the line to discuss this on social media? What do you think of the way Gase handled this? And most importantly for me, I'm curious what you think about the fact that Gase posted this up publicly. I know that it's something he did in Miami, but it just doesn't sit right with me. It seems like an odd tack to take, especially with a guy in Adam Gase who has had problems maintaining the locker room before at his previous job. Well, first of all, you know, I haven't been a place where they posted the fines up you know, on, on the TV screen. That's normally the screen that's for the schedule or for announcement that come up. But I have been to places where they would, you know, in the beginning of the team meeting room, they would, you know, say who was fine and why they were fine for it. So, you know, I'm in the middle of that. If if, um, if they were doing that the whole season, they were posting up fines, I guess everybody knew, you know, that if you got fined, it would be posted up. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think for me, it's just, you know, I, I just wish, wish well for Quincy. You know, it's always tough, you know, and I've been a guy that, you know, I've had some injuries. Even this year, I'm on IR right now. And it's always tough being on IR because you're trying to find your spot on the team. You're trying to find where you fit. And he's done for the year. You know, he said, like, the doctors gave him, you know, 50-50 chance to play again. So he's probably trying to figure out, you know, where do I fit? Am I coming back? I'm doing my rehab here. But, you know, you do your rehab and you're kind of mulling around the building and you're kind of looking – and everybody's doing what you really want to do. You know, they want to, you want to play, you know, you want to go out there and make plays. And he's a guy that probably had, I'm not, I won't say it's, it's the worst injury, but I mean, to hurt your neck in the, the game of football is definitely, you know, a, a tough blow. And so my first go out to him and just handling this thing of, you know, he took a day, man. He took a day, like you say, he took his wife out, you know, he took his, uh, his wife out and thanked her for her service. You know, she's a veteran. So he took her out for lunch on a, vet, a veteran day, had a home emergency he should have called beforehand. And he even said that. And that's why a lot of respect goes out to him, but he kind of said, you know, I should have let them know beforehand. Just didn't expect them to find me. And, you know, if they were finding guys that were on IR that missed stuff, you know, and they were doing that all year, then, you know, and Quincy said, you know, you just got to take the punishment, but, you know, I, I wish they wouldn't have done it the way they did it because if he's a guy that's always been there, hasn't missed and hasn't been fine yet, the first miss or the first something happened, I, I wish they would have talked to him and just kind of see where his mindset was at, was at where it may not have even have gotten to social media. And I think a lot of the times, 
I think sometimes it's better to talk to certain guys that are going through things. You know, he's on IR, he's injured. You know, maybe a conversation with them about why he missed or, you know, you can't miss again. You know, that that may be better than – that may be better than, you know, a fine and putting on a bulletin board. But he was he was hurt by it. I mean, you can tell by for him going to social media. And I don't think guys, you know, when I played for the Jets, we didn't have the way to have that outlet. But now guys have social media, they have Instagram, they have Twitter, they have different avenues to kind of let their, you know, what they're thinking and what they're feeling, you know, be heard. And you know what? I, more power to you. I, I, I don't like it. I think it's better not to go to social media. But, you know, if that's the way you have to express yourself, and especially him being on IR and kind of going through some things, and that's where he felt comfortable to kind of say how he was feeling and what was going on, you know what? More power to him, you know, to be able to have your voices heard. Because, he, like you said, he's, he got hurt playing the game for the team, you know. So I always respect guys that go out there and lay it on the line. So hope the best for him. Like I said before, haven't been a place where they posted fines. I mean, he may have been, done it at Miami. But you just – you never want to see a player, especially on IR, just feeling, you know, those type of – you know, that type of way. And, and probably the toughest – probably the toughest part of his football career, you know, you, you always you wish somebody would have reached out to him beforehand just to see how he is and see how everything is going before it got to this level of where everybody knows about it. And, you know, the one thing we always talk about as athletes is, you know, you try to keep things in-house. You know, you try to keep things in the locker room. You try to keep things quiet. You know, but putting something on the screen, I guess, you know, whoever wants to look, you know, they can see, they can take a picture, they can see how much somebody's fine. So I think both sides open themselves up to some things that they probably wish that, you know what, I wish we didn't put it up there. And, you know, maybe I should have, you know, spoke to somebody before I tweeted or put it on Instagram. So definitely tough. You know, a lot of prayers go up to him. You know, he's, he's got his hurt, got to put on the line, you know, but you would have wished that you know, somebody just went to him beforehand. Athletes' use of social media is a topic that I definitely want to talk more about in the offseason because I think it's a really fascinating topic that we could have an awesome conversation about. Today, though, I want to move on to the Jets and the Raiders going up against each other at MetLife Stadium this coming Sunday. We know what the Jets have done the last two weeks. They've been more successful than they have the past couple of weeks. Sam Darnold seems to have hit his stride. The defense is starting to click. What do you expect to see from the Jets here, and what do you expect to see from the Raiders? We know it's a chess match, so we talked about trying to neutralize Jamal Adams. I'm sure the defense is going to try and confuse Sam Darnold. Darnold's going to keep trying to do what he's been doing that's made him a much better quarterback. Adams is going to continue to try and get to the point where he can break that single-season sack record for safety. He's not far off. He's got six. He needs eight to tie and nine to break it. Could also become the first safety in NFL history to get double-digit sacks. How do you expect this to play out, and what do you expect to see from the respective coaching staffs and players strategically? Chucky. Chucky coming to Met, Met Life. I mean, it's going to be an exciting game, man. I think everybody should be excited about this game. I mean, Oakland Raiders, at the beginning of the year, we would, we would thought they were to be owing something right now. Just all the turmoil they had, you know, had over there in, o- in, uh, in Oakland. And they're moving next year to Las Vegas. We're thinking turmoil. Okay, they're going to tame. They're getting rid of Derek Carr. But Derek Carr's come out. He's played a. I mean, he's he's been playing at a high level. You know, throwing to you know Terrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, Jay Jones, Zay Jones, getting his guys going in that running game over there for Oakland. I mean, Josh Jacobs, and hopefully he sees uh, Quentin Williams a lot. You know, maybe we can get Quentin Williams on Josh Jacobs a lot. But they're running the ball at a 
at a higher level. I mean, he's, you know, they're pounding. So it's going to be a physical game. And I love these physical games. And that Jets defensive front, you know, like we said, they're the number one rush defense in the NFL. You're coming in with a, a running game that's been blowing guys out the waters the last couple of weeks and really for the whole season. And that's what John Gruden wanted to get out of this team, a, a tough, hard-nosed, running old-school type of football team. And he's got it up there, especially up front in their running game. So the Jets defense, Listen, man, you want to be, you want to go against the best. You want to play, you know, they know they're doing good on offense. They know they're running the ball well. And now it's your job coming in as the number one run defense to stop them, to slow them down. So I think that's going to be a, a fun little chess match of what does Greg Williams do? How do they use Josh Jacobs on the other side? And where does Jamal Adams fit? Is he going to be a blitz of this game? Is he going to be more in coverage? And because they may have better weapons in, in the receivers, in the receiving core, or is he going to be down the line, a lot of scrimmage playing in the run game? So I think we're, we're not going to know until Sunday because Greg Williams, old school guy, he's going to keep everything tight, everything you know, close to his chest. So we're not going to know what's going to happen on defense until Sunday. On offense, Adam Gates, I think it's going to be a similar style. Scripted plays early, get Darwin moving around, get him out the pocket, let him read only half of the field, get him some easy throws, you know, some rub routes and pick routes, and, you know, when they're in man-to-man to allow guys to open up a little bit. And just – and I want to see Le'Veon Bell get going. I want to see the run game, you know, be more of a factor in this game earlier on. It may not be running the ball, like just running up the middle or giving him sweeps. Maybe a short toss, you know a short pass on the outside, like a screen, just to get the ball in his hands and let him kind of pick his way through that defense. I'd love to see that. I got really excited when Le'Veon Bell had that catch last week against the Redskins. And I think that if Bell gets the opportunity to play wide receiver a little bit more, to line up in the slot, to catch some screens, it's going to increase the Jets' odds of winning this game by a substantial margin. And that would certainly make attending the game in person much more fun. Always a good time when you buy tickets for a game and you think that the team has a real chance to win. And if you're going to go to the game, you want to get yourself some great tickets and the best place to do that is at the Vivid Seats mobile app. You can get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you use the promo code OVERTIME. You can use that code to buy yourself tickets for the Jets and the Raiders game this Sunday or any other event that's coming to town. The Radio City Christmas Spectacular is coming to town. There's wrestling shows, concerts, other sporting events, hockey and basketball, and so much more. You can get tickets for yourself or you can go ahead and buy tickets as Christmas presents. Don't worry. Won't tell anybody that you're getting their presents at a bit of a discount. Get a great deal on great seats right now when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code Overtime. You get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Jamal, last order of business. For anybody that isn't planning on watching your team play in the Grey Cup on Sunday, and I can't imagine anybody would be in that crowd right now. They want to watch your team win, and they want to see you hoist up that Grey Cup. Even though you're not going to be in this game, they want to see you participate in the glory of knowing that you've won a championship. But for anybody who's on the fence about watching that game, sell them on watching it. Woo, break up football. Listen, CFL football is what we're going to see the NFL be in the next five to ten years. A lot of motion, a lot of, you know, movement, a lot of action, a lot of points going up on the board. You know, the college game with the screen game, throwing the ball deep down the field. And there's no play that ends in the CFL with a fair catch. You know, when the ball is punted, there's no fair catch. Somebody's going to have to return the ball. There's going to be a lot of hitting, a lot of points, a lot of scoring. I mean, CFL football is, is where the NFL has been going to getting the points on the board, getting guys in motion, a lot more receivers out in the route. And that's why I think, you know, for everybody that comes out, you know, it's be after the Jets game. So after the Jets go down, you know, go to MetLife, play that game, 
turn on the ESPN, check out, you know, or TSN, this kind of Canadian ESPN, and check out, you know, us play the, the Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers versus uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's going to be a great game. going to be a fun game. I'm excited. You're going to see me somewhere on the sideline. Hopefully it's not too cold. So I can only put on one jacket, you know, and I'll just wear the, the rest of my Canadian Canadian armor skin, you know, underneath the jacket. But it's going to be a fun one, man. I mean, this is CFL, just the action, the the movement of the players, the, the different blitzes, the wide open field, the points going up. Should be a good one. Just so you know, Jamal, if the cameras catch you on the sideline doing something funny or embarrassing, expect a text from me. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You should go ahead and post it on Twitter, man. Maybe I'll get your response at halftime. <laughs> Keith Urban. Keith Urban is a halftime show. Anybody out there likes country music? Hey, come on, tune in for Keith Urban. You know, maybe he'll expose himself or something. I don't know. Hopefully, he brings Nicole Kidman with him. Then I'll definitely be tuning in for Keith. Oh Urban. man, it may be too cold for that, man. She's from Australia, right? Yes, sir. She's yeah, she's not going to be cold. down with she, that she, temperature. Yeah, she, yeah, she's down under. You know, not too much for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a good one. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to take this run with the team. A lot of good guys on this team. So, you know, we always talk about the locker room, like the Quincy situation, you know, Jamal Adams situation in the past. But, you know, I think on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a lot of good guys led by our head coach, Orlando Steinhauer. I mean, good coach, good, you know, I won't say a player's coach, but get, keeping guys fun, keeping in life, and helping guys play together. So I think it's going to be an exciting game. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not Sunday, but I'm, I'm excited, man. Plenty of ex-Jets in this game, including Jamal. You're going to get a text from me one way or the other at some point. Hopefully, it's a congratulations text. I got my fingers crossed for you. It's Sunday right after the Jets on ESPN. The Grey Cup. Don't miss it. We want to see Jamal and Jalen Marshall and Julian Hauser and Lorenzo Malden get a victory. We've got to root for our Jets brethren to get this one. So make sure you're watching the game on Sunday after the Jets. Jamal, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Good luck in the Grey Cup on Sunday. In the meantime, though, if people want to hit you up with a congratulations after you win, if you win, or a good luck before the game, how can they get a hold of you on social media? Jamal Weston is all social platform. That's Jamal with three A's, J-A-M-A-A-L, Westerman. Just type that in on all social media, all social platforms. You can find me. And, you know, I always love talking football, especially Jets football. But give me some college, give me some high school, some Rutgers, some Jets, some NFL. I'm down for some CFL. So appreciate you having me on, Scott. You know, I'm excited for this week. You know, right, listen, this week, this Sunday, I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch the Jets game. You're going to have to talk to me. Maybe I'll catch it on Tuesday or Wednesday because this may be a long week for us. But uh, definitely I appreciate being on, man. And uh, let's go, man. Let's go Tiger Cats. Absolutely. Go Tiger Cats and go Jets. Make sure you're watching Jamal and the rest of the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Grey Cup Sunday after the Jets. It'll be on ESPN. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.